And let me echo what Matt's already said, and we want to say welcome to everybody. We have uh, family and friends who've come in to be with us, and we're so glad that you've done that. Now, inside that uh, guest packet was a attendance card. If you don't mind, pass those attendance card to the inside aisle, and they'll be picked up at this time. The fictional story is told about a woman who was uh, preparing for her family coming in for Christmas. And uh, Christmas was still a few days away, but she was getting all the things ready that uh, she knew her family would enjoy eating when she heard a at the door. She went to the door and there was a man that uh, it was pretty clearly it was uh, a poor man. Uh, the woman was kind of used to this. Often because her family was the richest family in town, uh, they would have folks come by wanting a handout. This man did not want a handout. He said, ma'am, I want to earn some money so I can buy my children uh, some presents. Do you have any work that I could do here at your house? The woman thought for a little bit and the man's question kind of hit her heart. She said, well, my husband was planning to do some painting. He's already got everything you need. I will surprise him by having you do the work so he won't have to do it. Just go around back and you'll find what you need and paint my porch. The man said, oh, thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. I'll do a good job. I promise. A few hours later, another at the door. There stood the man pretty obvious he's been painting, got some paint on his face and paint on his clothes, and he's got a big old smile on his face. He said, ma'am, I finished the job. The woman said, did you do a good job? The man said, oh yeah, I did a great job. But I got to tell you something, ma'am, you probably don't realize that, but out back, that's not a porch, that's a Mercedes. It'll kind of hit you in a few moments, okay? Now, that man, that man misunderstood. The guy misunderstood what he was supposed to paint. I think the same thing happens to people today when they think about my Lord Jesus. Common misconceptions. Well, this time of the year, it would be about his birth. People say that Jesus' birthday is December 25th. Now, we know he was born. That's very definite. He was born. But most likely not on December 25th. Why do we say that? Well, number one, the date is never given in Scripture. Number two, the shepherds were out with their flock, having been to the Holy Lands during Christmas time. I can tell you, it gets very, very chilly at night. <clears throat> so I doubt if the shepherds would be out there with their flocks uh, in December. And the third reason would be the fact that uh, the date of December 25th was probably chosen because it was already a pagan holiday on that day, and it was easy to convert from a pagan holiday to a Christian holiday. Still, I appreciate this time of the year. 
Because, right or wrong, people think about Jesus this time of the year. And I appreciate that. I think it's wonderful that people are talking about my Lord. And I cherish each thought and each comment and each saying about my Jesus. Misunderstanding number two. Jesus is the reason for the season. You hear that, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. I want to change that. We should say Jesus is the reason for every season. I wish what happens about this time of the year, I wish it happened 52 weeks in the year. I wish this, this feeling, the feeling of goodwill toward people, the feeling of compassion, the feeling of giving, the feeling of love would happen not just a few days in December. I wish that kind of feeling happened every month, every week, and every day. Because my Jesus is the reason for every season. And misunderstanding number three, Jesus is just a cute little baby in a cute little manger. No. Our Jesus is much, much more than that. There was one man who saw Jesus as the reason for every season. An older man, yes, who saw Jesus for who he really was. This man's name was Simeon. And we find his story in Luke chapter 2. Forty days after Jesus was born, his parents bring him to the temple to dedicate him as required by Mosaic law. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Now when the days of her, this would be Mary, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses, were completed. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy, holy, separate, holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. Now, go back to Leviticus chapter 12. And you see this command. God had made a provision for poor people. You see, the offering should have been two lambs. But if you were poor, you could offer some birds, two birds. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man, he was just. He was devout. He was waiting for the consolation. Circle that word, consolation. We'll come back to it. For the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The word Christ, Messiah, the promised one. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, can you see this? This older man, he takes that child, that baby. 
He took him up in his arm. And what does he do? He blessed God. He praised God. He worshiped God. He blessed God and said, Lord, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. I can leave this life in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Your salvation. Circle that word salvation. Which you have prepared. It wasn't a last minute idea. The Messiah was part of the plan from the very start. Which you have prepared before the face of all people. A light. That's the final word I want you to circle. A light to bring revelation. To who? The Gentiles. Simeon saw what would eventually take place in Acts chapter 10. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon saw Jesus as the reason for every season. Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. When you look at Jesus, see more than just a cute little baby in a cute little manger. See what Simeon saw. See a sacrifice. A sacrifice. See someone who gave up everything to come into this world. Jesus gave up heaven. Think about that for just a moment. He gave up heaven to come to our world so that we could have salvation. Think for a moment about the sacrifice that Mary and Joseph is making here. According to the old law, Leviticus chapter 12, you would make a sacrifice. Two animals. Two animals would die in your place, signifying that your sins had been transferred to these animals. You see, that's a sacrifice. And Jesus came to be a sacrifice. Mary and Joseph sacrificed a pair of doves or two young pigeons because they just could not afford a lamb. You see, Jesus was not born in a rich family. He could have been born into the family of one of the Sanhedrin. You know the Sanhedrin, they're the wealthy ones. You know, they're the ones in control. He could have been born into a wealthy family, but no. He was born into a family that was struggling financially. A good family, no doubt, but a family that was struggling. Jesus made a sacrifice. Jesus is a sacrifice. Jesus was born into abject poverty. He left the splendor and wealth of heaven for an animal pen on his way to a cross. Jesus made a great sacrifice to come to this earth. Why did He do it? Why would He give up heaven and come and spend life here on earth about 33 years? It's because He loves us. It's love. Love was what motivated Him to come to our world. Your sins were placed on Jesus and He died in your place. Just like those two turtle doves, those two pigeons. As punishment for your sins, that's why He came. 
Jesus came as a sacrifice for your sins. And He died in your place so you could live in His place forever. Isn't that fantastic? So this season and every season, see someone who sacrificed his life for yours. September 30th, 2013, Dwayne and Donna Johnson of Buena Vista, Colorado, along with their two teenage daughters, went on a hike in the mountains. The youngest daughter was Gracie. I mentioned Gracie's name for a reason. She was the only one who came out of that hike alive. As the four people were hiking up into the mountain, suddenly an avalanche started. Dwayne looked and he knew he couldn't reach his wife or his older daughter. They were too far up the trail. But he knew what he could do for his youngest daughter. He shoved her down to the ground. He jumped on top of her just like a, a mother hen will cover her chicks. And Dwayne covered covered his daughter's body with his own body. And as those boulders started coming down and hitting him and, and all, he, hung, he held on to his daughter, protecting her until the avalanche was over. And everyone died except Gracie. She had been protected by her father. I tell that story for a reason. That's what Jesus did for you and me. When the boulders of our poor choices and sin barrel down at us, Jesus wraps Himself around us. And He died in our place on the cross. Is your world crashing down around you? If it is, then look to the cross and see the one who died for you. Look at Jesus and see a sacrifice for your sins. More than that, this season and every season, look at Jesus and see a Savior. Remember, we circled that word salvation. Jesus is a Savior. Simeon saw the one who was the consolation of Israel, bringing everything together. Simeon saw the one to help. The one who could save. Because Jesus is a Savior for this season and every season. Simeon also saw the Lord's Christ. That's Messiah, verse 26. And he saw God's salvation coming, not just for His people, but also for even the Gentiles. He saw salvation. The message this season and every season is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope of pardon. Hope of peace with God. Hope of glory. Hope, hope, hope. Because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that about 30 years later, He might hang on a cross. And that gives us hope. And folks, that's what we need, is hope. That's what Simeon saw. He saw the consolation of Israel, the Lord's Christ, God's salvation. In a word, he saw the light. Verse 32. It was 1966. 
in a very small community in Kentucky about this time of the year. You know, one of the things I enjoy about this season is going and looking at the Christmas lights. You know, I, I enjoy doing that. You know, we have some marvelous displays here in Garland County. I enjoy seeing all the lights. Well, this year in 1966, one family in Kentucky, they didn't turn their lights off after December 25th. In fact, their lights stayed on all through January. Those Christmas lights stayed on all the way through February, and now it's up into March, and still every night people going down that little country road could see that house lit up. Why? Well, that house was occupied by a woman whose husband had died. She had only one son, and he had been called to duty in Vietnam. She had received a letter from her son. She didn't have a phone. There was no phones out there, way out there in the sticks in Kentucky. But she had received a letter from her son, and her son said, Mom, I don't know when, but I'm going to get discharged, and I'm going to be coming home soon. I just can't give you a date. She was asked, why do you keep those Christmas lights up? In a word, she said, hope. My son always enjoyed the lights. That was one of the things that he enjoyed. He would always put them up with his dad when his dad was still alive. And after his dad died, that was the first thing he would always do. Just as soon as Thanksgiving got over with, he wanted to put the lights up. And he wanted to turn them on. And I don't know when my son is going to walk through that door, but when he walks through that door, those lights are going to be on. Because that's my hope of seeing my son. Light and hope. Light is a symbol of hope, and Jesus is the true light, verse 32. In our dark world, look to Jesus as the true light that you need to navigate this very dark world. This season and every season, look at Jesus and see a sacrifice. Look at Jesus and see a Savior. And finally, look at Jesus and see a stone. A stone. Yes, a stone. See a stone, see a rock that either you can stand on or you'll end up stumbling over. Verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall circle the word fall, and rising, circle the word rising, of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. He's going to be controversial. Some will accept, some will reject. Some will stand, some will stumble over him. Yes, a sword a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Do you stand on Jesus, or do you stumble over Him? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, 
That word block can also be translated often as stone. A stumbling block, a stone. And to the Greeks, foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. There was a fictional story told many years ago about two mountain goats on a very, very narrow pathway. One was going down the path, one was going up the path. On one side was a sheer drop, certain depth. On the other side was a sheer incline, no way to climb. What would those two goats do? They had met head on. The older, you might say wiser, mountain goat, he bent down just as low as he could, down to the ground, getting close to the ground as low as he could, and that other goat just passed over him. That's what Jesus did. That's a beautiful picture of what he did for us. Jesus knelt down. He bowed low for us. He humbled himself to the point of death. Yeah, even death on a cross for you and me so that we could continue our journey and make it back to where we belong. Now, we can either trip over him and perish, or we can trust him and pass on to eternal life. What will it be for you? I urge you to trust and obey Jesus today and let him become your rock to build your life upon. He will never disappoint you. He will always be there for you. You can depend on Jesus. You know this slide. Every time I get up, it's up there. Because I never know there's someone might be here who doesn't know how to become a Christian. You believe, John 8, 24. Will you repent, Luke 13, 3. Will you confess, Matthew 10, 32. Will you be baptized, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's the simple plan. It's not complicated. Those of us who have obeyed that plan as a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. I'll have two elders down here waiting for you. Will you answer that call as we stand and sing for your encouragement? Oh.